0: Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Awesome! Oh, let's hear it one more time for your campus band. This guy did a great job, right? A lot of fun. Hey! Welcome to Pop God. Glad that you are here. This is our music series. We're connecting some of today's most popular songs with the truth of God's word. And that song we just performed at your campus, Counting Stars. It's by a band called One Republic. They are out of Colorado Springs. And I got to say, I'm really starting to like their stuff. Was listening to their music all week. They actually have something very meaningful to say. Look at the lyrics. They write, Lately, I've been losing sleep, dreaming about the things we could be. Baby, I've been praying hard, said no more counting dollars we will be counting stars. That's the lyric from which the song gets its name, Counting Stars, and check this out. The lead singer, his name is Ryan Tedder, and he said this is the band's attempt to kind of push back against the culture of materialism that he sees all around America where people kind of define success as counting dollars Rather than counting stars, that means the greater blessings of God that aren't found in money and materialism. That's refreshing, isn't it? That's a a redemptive message And because most pop music typically celebrates ego and money and excess. In an interview with Billboard magazine, look what he wrote. Tedder said this, I feel a responsibility to actually write and sing about things that have a level of human gravity to them. If everybody else sings about sex and love and lust and money then somebody's got to be singing about life and faith and hope and things of that nature. Amen? Those are biblical themes. And uh, sure enough, Tedder and the lead guitarist, his name is Zach Filkins, they attended a Christian high school in Colorado Springs. They formed the band their senior year. One of them went on to Oral Roberts University. And they are not shy about writing about spiritual themes. I've been praying hard, no more counting dollars, we'll be counting stars. Wouldn't that be great? If man didn't focus so much on making money, but instead relied on the blessings of God, counting stars instead of dollars. And the reality is that's the theme of Malachi chapter 3. So you can open your Bible or flip in your phone. This is the last book of the Old Testament that we've been connecting to the lyrics of pop music. And Malachi 3 is where we're going to camp out today to kind of look at this theme of of counting stars and counting dollars, which is better, you know, to to, to have the money of man and count on that, or the blessing of God. We're going to see how these two are related in Malachi 3. And just to remind you, Malachi, he was an Old Testament prophet. He was a messenger to God's people who are Israel in the Old Testament, but they represent believers everywhere. So this is a, a message to all Christians from all time. And last week we learned it's actually a very personal message. Last week, God the Father called a family meeting. He got all the kids together. They're all sitting on the couch. And he said, guys, we got to talk. He had this very pointed talk to singles and married believers about staying faithful in our relationships. Our relationship with each other affects our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And here in chapter 3, God the Father continues this family meeting and says, I want to talk about another touchy subject, money, your budget, and how faithful are you In your finances. Isn't that funny? Because this is like 3,000 years ago, and God hits all these hot buttons like sex last week, money this week, and these are still relevant in 21st century culture. And the reality is, see, times change, but God does not. In fact, that's how he begins chapter three. Look at verse six. He writes, I, the Lord, do not what? Do not change. Aren't you glad for that? God is the same yesterday, today, forever. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God is full of love and grace. He doesn't want to destroy his people. He wants to bless them. He's like, I don't want to judge you. I want to be generous to you. But here's the problem. Look at verse 7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So he's like, you've turned away from me, but I want you to come back. And then he says, but you ask, how are we to return? And then God asks this question, will a mere mortal rob god yet you rob me but you ask how are we robbing you his answer in tithes and offerings in other words you're ripping me off at church now keep going look at this you are under a curse your whole nation because you're robbing me and then he says these words let's say it together bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and you can just pause here what's what's going on what's the problem Why are all the kids on the couch for the family meeting? The problem is they're robbing dad, okay? They're they're, they're taking his money. The fridge is empty. There's no food in the house. Those of you with a college student, you know what I'm talking about. God is like, I'm a generous father to you, and you're ripping me off. And they're like, How are we ripping you off? And he says, In tithes and offerings. So God brings up the subject of money, specifically the tithe that he wants his children to return to him. Now, Let's just define this because there's some kind of confusion around this. If you've been in church for a while, you already know this. The Hebrew word for tithe literally translates to a tenth or 10%. And the idea here is that God told his children, hey, I'm going to give you everything, okay? I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you resources, the ability to produce wealth and, and earn a living. And Israel basically was an agrarian culture. And what that simply means is they were in the farming business, all right? And that says, I'm going to give you a business and I want you to earn a living, but listen to me, as a way of reminding you who owns all of this, I want you to return, put this up, Lisa, the first 10% of your income to me. This is the tithe, okay? The first 10% of your income comes to the house of God. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, quick show of hands, how many of you own a business or you're in business, you own a small business, something like that, Okay. Who is, who is your partner? Right, do you have a partner? Some of you are like, no, I'm in business myself. Not really from God's perspective. <laughs> God sees himself as partial owner of whatever it is you do, actually, as the majority investor. And you may say, well, I don't see it that way. Welcome to Malachi 3. <laughs> uh, God sees himself as part owner of whatever income he has enabled you to, to, to make. So, whatever you do for a living, God says, you know what? I gave you the resources. I'm giving you the ability, you put in the work, and here's how the deal is gonna work. Our deal is that I get 10% and you keep 90. It's a pretty generous deal, right? Because God could have said, you give me 90 and I'll give you 10%. But God is a giver by definition. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his one and only son. So your father is generous, that's his nature. And the tithe is simply a 10th of our income that we return to our father. And what's interesting about it is that God makes it a percentage. He doesn't make it a number. Notice He a 10%. Why is that answer? Because it's equal for everybody. It's the same for every person. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. 10% simply represents proportional giving. For instance, every week there are people here who tithe to Liquid Church, and you may say, oh yeah, I give a lot to the church. Well, that's because you make a lot. See, the number doesn't matter to God. Whether you make $30,000 a year or $300,000 a year, God says, watch, the first penny of every dime is mine. That's what that's what it is. Can we say this ready? The first penny of every dime is mine. That's what the tithe is. It's very very simple. The first penny of every dime is God's. God says, "I own this. This is my possession." And it's a strong declaration of ownership. It's remember it's like, "Oh yeah, everything I have actually is God." And God says, "I want you to return the first 10% to my house before you pay for your house. Before you pay your bills." So whether you make 5000 50000 500000 I want you to bring the first 10%, a tithe of that, to my house to remind you whose pocket this comes from. And that's the difference, watch, between a tithe and an offering. Do you know there's a difference? Most church people think, oh, this is synonymous. Tithes and offerings are the same thing. It's not. Tithes, by definition, always go to God's house, to the church. In the Old Testament, Jewish people, they would bring their tithe to the temple, We're Christians. In the New Testament, that's the local church. An offering is anything you give outside of that above and beyond. So a lot of people say, oh, I give my tithe to uh, clean water. I give my tithe to uh, a radio minister or something. By definition, that's not a tithe. That's an offering. That's something you do above and beyond what you're returning to the house of God. The tithe is the ground floor. It's about saying, God, everything I have is yours, and I'm returning it to you. I'm bringing it to you. And so I'll get that question sometimes if somebody says, hey, can I give my tithe, you know, to a missionary? Technically, no, because it's not a tithe. That's an offering. And that's wonderful. My wife, Colleen, and I, we both work, and we bring our weekly tithe to the church. We, get, we give 10% of our paychecks. We go straight to the church, to Liquid Church. But throughout the year, watch, we've been blessed. We have been able to give offerings this year to a crisis pregnancy center, to somebody's clean water trip, to an offering to help the homeless ministry. That's an offering. That's not your tithe and that's a joy to do. God says, I'm your father, and I'm a giver, and I want you to be generous, but there's a problem. In Israel at this time, the economy was in the tank. It was on a downturn. Does this sound familiar at all? Okay, they had lost their credit rating. Times were tough, and people were cutting God out of their budget. And God says, hey, you're robbing me. And they're like, "Uh, how are we robbing you? And his answer is, in tithes, and offerings. And then he says this in verse 9. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. In other words, I've blessed you all of along, and then all of a sudden things get tight in your, in your budget. And what do you do? You cut me out. You stop giving me what's rightfully mine, the first 10%. What's the solution? Read this out loud. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now watch the rest. This promise here is going to revolutionize someone's life today. Look at this. Test Me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, and say this together, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you, what's this word, liquid? Blessed. Not rich, blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, when you honor God first in your finances, I'm going to give God what's His, your heavenly Father promises to pour out blessing beyond what you can contain. You won't be counting, you won't be counting dollars anymore. You'll be counting stars. God says, I'm going to open the floodgates of heaven, look up, and I'm going to pour forth blessing. Translation? I'm going to make it rain, okay? That's what God, all right? And the people are like, literally? Because their crops were struggling, right? Look at verse 11. There's like pests. There's a locust plague or something. Fruit was rotting and falling to the ground before it was ripe. Again, those of you who raise your hand, you're in business, okay? Did you ever go through a dry spell in your business, right, where sales are down or deliveries are late or you try everything to bring a product to market and and you just can't get it done? And what do you do? You stay up at night. You kind of rack your brain. How do I turn this thing around? And you call extra meetings, and you work extra hours, and you work twice as long and twice as hard, but no matter what you do, you only get half the return, pennies on the dollar, yeah? And God is like, Israel, maybe the reason for your dry spell is you forgot to pay your partner first. Remember me, the tithe, the first 10%? Maybe if you stop shortchanging me, I could actually open my hands. I could open the heavens and trust you with more. Because when you give me the first 10%, I bless the rest. See, watch. The tithe is not only a tenth. The tithe is also a test. Look at verse 10. What's the word here? Read this out loud, liquid. Ready? Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. When I was in school, I hated tests, okay? I'll just be honest. I hated specifically math tests because what does a test do, right? If you're you're a student, you're probably going through finals or that sort of thing. But a test reveals what you know, your understanding, and then what you actually believe to be true. And the Bible says the tithe is actually a test. A test of what? Of our heart. A tithe is a test of what? Do you understand what God teaches about money and the significance, and do you actually believe that this is true in your heart of hearts? See, in the kingdom of God, every believer takes a test every single week. Or maybe you take it bi-weekly. Or I guarantee you take it at the end of the month. Every time you receive a paycheck, you take the tithing test. Will you honor God first in your finances by returning the first 10% to his house? Or do you keep it all for yourself? Give him a little bit of the leftovers. The tithe's a test. Your attitude about money reveals your attitude about God. It just reveals it. Jesus said, where your money is, there, what? Your heart will be also. In fact, this is kind of interesting. Did you know this? The number 10 in the Bible represents testing all throughout scripture. Think about it. In the Old Testament, how many plagues did God use to test Pharaoh's heart? How many plagues were there? There were 10. Yeah. How many commandments did God give Israel to follow? There were 10. You see the pattern there? How many times was Daniel tested in Daniel chapter 1? 10. How many days of testing are there in Revelation? 10. How many disciples were there? 12. All right? I was just testing. I'm just testing you. Listen, all throughout Scripture, the number 10 represents testing, and the tithe is a test. God is testing the heart of his people, not so that they'll fail, but so that will pass. And then he says, because oh, I want to bless you in a bigger way and use you for my kingdom purposes. As I said, I didn't like tests in school, um, like algebra, math was hard for me. And I was thinking about this week. I was like, why do you think God made the tithe 10%? You know why I think he made it 10%? Because it's simple math. (laughs) 10% of anything is like easy math. You know, you can do it in your head. Like 10% 10 of 10 is one. 10% of 100 is 10. You know, 10% of 1,000 is 100. You just move the decimal. So it makes it easy. Like if your annual income is $50,000, you tithe 10%. That's $5,000. You return to God's house. God made the math simple to do. That's helpful because I was an English major, all right, in college. My wife, Colleen, she was in business, and uh, so she still does our bills today. But even so, we still have, like, a sometimes a a little bit of a, um, well, how do I say this, a little bit of a disagreement in our home when it comes to budgeting and percentages. Like, when we go shopping uh, at the mall, Colleen will see, like, a sign in Macy's, you know, that says, like, 25% off. And I'm like, you know, all right, we go in, and she finds something that's, like, $79. I was like, okay, now what does this mean? Do you know, what is 25% of $79? What does it mean? And she's like, it, it means it's a really good deal, Tim. It's a really good deal. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, and 50% off means it's basically free. You know? I'm like, Wait, what kind of fuzzy math is that? She goes, no, 50% is the same thing as buy one, get one free. 50% off is the same thing as free. And I'm like, this is there's a hole in our boat here. And she's like, if it's 75% off, We're making money, all right? It's like, it explains some of the challenges we have had around our budgeting through the years. But the reality is every single Christian faces a math test every week or bi-weekly or at the end of the month when you get your paycheck. God says, I want you to do the math. And I'm gonna keep this very simple. Before you pay Macy's, before you pay your mortgage, God says, I want you to bring 10% to my house and then I'll bless the rest. I'll break the curse. What is the curse, by the way? Understand, this is not God cursing us. This is the curse of broken thinking, the futility of our human mind that naturally by default says, everything I have is mine. Any penny or any nickel comes in my pocket. This is for me. Even right now, some of you are saying this in your head. You're being polite about it. Right now, some of you are saying, this is crazy talk, dude. Like I get it that I'm in church and I want to honor God, but who is God to ask for 10% of my wealth? I have what I have, Because I worked hard, pure and simple. I earned the promotion, okay? Who worked the overtime? I don't think it was the Holy Spirit. I guarantee it was me. I have what I have because I worked for it. Really? In Deuteronomy 8, God warned his people. You may say to yourself, I know what you think. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives what? The ability to produce wealth. In other words, you may think what you have as a result of your own effort or your own intelligence, but uh, who gave you those talents in the first place? Who gave you the brains to get into that school or to earn your master's? Who gave you the connection to land that new job or, or the favor to land that promotion? Who gave you the creative talents or ability to do what you do? See, if you're fortunate enough to earn a living, is that something you sustain every day? See, Malachi 3 says... Or well, we're counting dollars, we're busy worrying about money, we should be looking up and counting stars and realizing every blessing in our life comes from heaven. God actually says, I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing. Most Americans believe blessing comes from the ground up. That's, that's our self-made man or woman kind of myth, right? Well, it's a sweat on my brow. I'm going to work real hard. I'm going to plan a lot and hope for a harvest. And God says, you got it backwards. It is the other way around in my economy. As Jesus says... Or his brother James, he says this, every good and perfect gift is from where? It's from above coming down from the Father in heaven. Blessings come top down from God to his children. And somewhere along the line, Israel had lost sight of this. Have you? They started cutting God out of their budget and their business plan, and their crops failed. Their business dried up. And God's advice in Malachi 3 is, hey, can you get your mind right? and turn it around. Stop stealing and start giving. Start giving 10%. Turn it, come back to me, return to me. Make up the amount that you've been robbing from God and get back on track. See, we talk about this because our attitude about money just reveals your attitude about God. Tithing shatters our pride, and it restores God to his rightful place. Oh, actually, everything I have, every good and perfect gift comes from my Father. And then when we get our mind right, Our Father says, I can open the floodgates and bless you even more because now I can trust you. You're not going to hoard it. I want you to be a child. You're made in my image. I want you to reflect my generous heart. So I've had people say to me, you know, Tim, this is great, but I can't afford to tithe. You know what I tell them? You can't afford not to tithe. You can't afford not to. Can you really afford to miss out on God's blessing? Let let me just, let me shoot straight about this. The reason it is so hard for some of you right now is because you're holding on to 100% and trying to do life in your own strength. I'm working really hard. I'm working... I can't begin to tell you how much easier life is when you actually rely on 90% and you have God's power behind you. It is the difference between like rowing upstream with oars and you're working really hard and breaking a sweat, actually just putting out the, the, the sail and saying, let the Holy Spirit fuel this. I remember for Colleen and I, the first tithing check we wrote or when Colleen and I first got married. Oh, wow, those, who are these thin people? Yeah, I kind of... It was the day after our wedding, um, before we went on our honeymoon, what we did is we took all the gifts, all the checks people had given us as a gift, we totaled them up, and then it was like, you know, kind of, we wrote our first check, 10%, and we gave that check to our local church. We weren't going to this church at the time, and we gave that check, and that was hard, because we were young, and we were poor, and it was a ton of money for us. We didn't have an apartment, and we took the first 10%, and we gave it to our church. And you know what? That was 16 years ago we have never looked back. We have never regretted it. Because our prayer at the time was, God, would you allow us maybe someday in your grace to have a family, to have a home, and to keep being generous? Our prayer was actually, God, each year, would you let us give more than we gave the previous year? You know what? By God's grace, we have. For 16 years, every single year, we've been able to give more. And it's not because we're rich. We're in New Jersey, okay? I'm a pastor. We're not rich, but we are, watch, blessed. You understand the difference? We're blessed because we share our Father's heart, and now we're able to bless others too. And the reason like, I'm, I'm standing here telling you about this, I have no shame in telling you about it, it's because I've seen the power of tithing in my own life. And I'm like, from our family, it's a foundation of what we do, and I want you to experience that in your family. So what we're inviting you today is participate in something we're calling the 90-Day tithe challenge. We're announcing this at all of our campuses. For those of you who aren't currently tithing, but you're like, you know what? It's time. It's time for me to take a step of obedience and experience God's blessing this summer. It's very simple. We put a card in your program today that looks like this, and you see on the front the verse from Malachi 3.10. It says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And here's the challenge. For the next 90 days, take God's word. Test him as he promises in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe, that's 10% of your income, to God's house. Tie it to the church each week and then see, will God prove faithful on his promise? That's it. That's the challenge. The math is very simple. God says, the first penny on every dime is mine. Bring it back to me. The first penny of every dime is mine. That's what the tithe is. We're just returning to God what's already his. And it's being generous as our father's generous and then saying, God, would you bless my family, my finances in a fresh way? Some of you have no idea what God is holding back because you've been keeping 100% for yourself. (laughs) Some of you are counting dollars when you actually should be counting stars. God wants to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing in your life. So if you're interested in taking the 90-day tithe challenge, we've made it real easy to do. All you have to do is give us your name and email. You're not signing up today. This is just saying, send me information about it. And when you put this in today's offering bucket, we'll email you details and watch, give you a special little gift, a little surprise gift. Now, to tell you about this gift, I brought along a special guest with us today. The executive pastor of Liquid Church, Dave Brooks, is with us. Would you welcome Dave to the stage? Come on out, Dave. Yay, Dave. Dave has the uh, distinction, uh, executive pastor. He handles our finances, tithing, all that thing, sort of thing. And you know that because he's wearing a blue blazer. I'm you're the like, one old
1: enough to wear one. Yeah, yeah. You're, the,
0: you're the only pastor. With this Dave has actually been our executive pastor since we launched the church seven years ago. It's been a little bit of a rocket yeah. ship ride. Tell us, where have you seen God be generous and just pour out blessing?
1: Well, I think first God has been generous spiritually. You know, in addition to handling the finances, I also oversee baptisms. And in the spring. We baptized over 100 people, and that really brought the total number of people who have been baptized since we launched here in Morristown in 2007 to 1,007 people in seven years. Yeah, that's you know, I remember back when the first seven people were baptized uh, in the pool in the Morristown uh, Health Club, and we rented that by the hour. Um, <laughs>
0: a rented pool by the hour, yeah.
1: Exactly. But, um, but I think baptisms really are an indication of changed lives. You know, every number is a name. And every name is a story of yeah. changed lives. And that's what baptisms celebrate, lives changed by Jesus Christ. I think one of God's most generous gifts to us is salvation. And we get a chance to do that yeah. twice a year when we celebrate baptisms. And God has allowed us the privilege of being able to see 1,007 yeah. people have their lives changed. So he, he indeed has blessed us um, spiritually. But he's also been generous to us financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2007, as I said, our first year, our budget was $1.2 million. Here now, uh, in 2014, our budget is 6.2 million. That's incredible. Incredible, yeah, right? That's, incredible. That's, that's just amazing. That's amazing.
0: You cannot give God. That's amazing.
1: This, this over 26% yeah. um, increase each year. Yeah,
0: that's remarkable. I mean, and when I look at that, think about our current economy, our government. This bucks the trend of our culture. My question is, why do you? Th- where is this generosity coming from? What do you see God blessing?
1: Well, first, I think it's because we're a tithing church. You know, when we prepare our budget every year, We take the first 10% and we earmark that to go back into our communities to be able to show God's compassion by helping the least, the last, and the lost. And so we're gonna be a church who impacts our neighborhood. We're gonna provide for the homeless in Newark. We're gonna help single moms. We're gonna reach out to um, families with special needs. We're gonna provide clean water um, around the world right now in Nicaragua. We've been able to give over $2 million since launch because we're a tithing church. And I think that's the heart of God. And thankfully, that's the heart of this church that people want to give. The second thing is that uh, we teach stewardship. Um, We have Dave Ramsey's um, course, uh, Financial Peace University that we've been teaching. We just graduated 107 people. We have some- Give um, him a hand, that's amazing.
0: That is awesome, that's a very cool thing.
1: And this helps people get God's perspective on money management, debt reduction, savings. And since we launched um, this five years ago, we've had people retire over $1.5 million of personal debt. That's amazing. And so it really isn't about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. We want to have um, our community to be able to have financial freedom. And so we've been teaching um, stewardship since the beginning. But in addition, you know, I think Liquid is full of incredibly generous people. And, nice. and I just want to take this moment to thank all of you who give week after week we recognize as tim has already identified we live in new jersey and dollars are stretched and it's tough to find um extra dollars and so we're thankful for those of you who have sacrificially given week after week to support the community and the ministry of liquid church
0: Um, Let me, can we thank all of the people who sacrifice every week? That is incredible. Thank you for the senior pastor. Um, Let me ask you this, because I know giving is like anonymous and everything, but are any cool stories of generosity you've seen recently?
1: Yeah, that's one of the uh, joys of being in my position. I get to hear those stories um, over time. In fact, I was just talking to a, uh, a man this past week who was married in September 2012, and he and his wife said they wanted tithing to be a part of their marriage from the beginning. And so he had been listening to Tim, and he had also been doing some reading, and so He said, at the beginning, they decided that they were going to give 10%. Let me just read um, a couple of quotes uh, from him. He said, you know, the more I gave away, the more I made. And it has never been that tough, in fact. He said, you know, I wondered whether I'm doing something wrong because it should be harder. I don't feel the squeeze. He says, I know for me the challenge was to take the plunge. It was to be able to take that leap of faith. But he said, I've learned the incredible thing is God provides. And as I give more, more money comes in, and I've realized that even as more money comes in, I get to keep 90% of it. Yeah. I'm only giving up 10%. Yeah. So you know, these are great stories. Great. That's pretty cool. I
0: think getting started is the hardest thing, Like, if, especially if you're a new believer, you're returning back to right. church. It's like, yeah. this is a, a big step of faith. But it's really a challenge to do at any age.
1: I, you know, like you talked about uh, you and Colin. The same thing was true for Lois and I okay. when we were married. You know, We went through those same questions about do we tithe on gross or net and how much. But right. you know, we came to that decision. We were going to give 10%. Of our gross income, and we've never regretted. Yeah. We've seen God bless us incredibly, um, and while you know it was a challenge then, and even though you know I'm a tad bit older, um, <laughs> it, it, it can still be a, a, a challenge. I think of that even as I've moved into my second career as a pastor.
0: That, actually, that's this is interesting. If, can you t- take a minute, tell them about this because Dave, you were not originally a hmm, pastor; right. you were actually in corporate America. Tell us about your former life. This is fascinating.
1: Yeah, well, I started out as a CPA, um, but before I came to Liquid. I was the U.S. CFO of an international industrial gas company, and I left there to come to Liquid back in 2007. And, uh, you know, when I left, I really felt that we received a number of things that I thought were f- from, the, and I believe, were from the hand of God. You know, we got severance and bonuses and investment return. And, you know, I was thinking at that time, I said, okay, now what, what are the conditions in terms of what I should be giving? I mean, what does Malachi say about stock options? <laughs> right? What's the Hebrew for stock options? Exactly, like, right. not, not really, uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I also that. was moving into a situation where my income was going to be significantly less. And, you know, somewhat ironic that here I was moving into a role as a pastor, but I was having all these questions about maybe there were some ways I could give a little bit less on <laughs> some of these other areas. But, you know, Lois and I came back to the same question that we have throughout our marriage. And we asked ourselves, who owns this? Hmm. And the answer is, God does. You know, he had entrusted us and blessed us incredibly more than we deserve, but we're stewards. Um, and so we came to that conclusion once again that we were going to give back um, 10% plus um, to God. And, you know, we've really never regretted yeah. that.
0: Now, this is interesting because we want to make this, and the reason we t- talk about this is because, see, our families do this. this. This is something that's been part of our practice ever before we were in ministry. We've seen God bless it in an exponential way we want you to be able to experience that. So the 90-day challenge, this comes at the start of summer. Tell us the significance of that.
1: Well, you know, I mean, here it is. You're right. I mean, schools are getting out now. And so everybody's thinking in terms of vacation and what are the kids going to do. And so really finances goes to a lower place. In fact, for some people, God and their relationship with God can become second place. And so we're going to try to buck that trend. And so we're asking that during the months of June, July, August, and even into September, that you would consider taking this tithe challenge. And you would follow up with what Malachi 3:10 says that I'm going to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and I and I will pour out so much blessing you won't be able to handle it. So in other words, it doesn't matter how much you make or how little you make. If you are willing to give God the first fruits, um, that if you're in, during this 90 days you take the whole tithe, 10% of your gross income, and you give it back to Liquid, um, we believe God's got, God is going to honor that. And, you know, and honestly, um, we are committed to this. In fact. Um, I'm so convinced of the power of God and really seeing it tithing work in my own life that I'm going to guarantee this challenge.
0: Oh, guarantee. Is this like a money-back guarantee? Act now. What, like, uh, is this like a late-night sales thing? Well, you know, this, no, this,
1: th- please, this isn't an infomercial. There's no carving knives. There's nothing associated with this. It's not a gimmick. And in fact, you know, I thought about guarantee. I said, is that really the right word? Yeah. But I couldn't think of anything better. But okay. here's what I will commit to. You know, if you're willing to tithe for the next three months and God is not faithful, we'll return 100% no questions asked.
0: That, that is the heart. We want this so much for you. We want nothing else to get in the way. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel manipulated. Don't feel any of that. Would you willingly test God at his word? He says, test me in this. There's no other verse in the Bible in which God says, test me. In fact, it says, don't put the Lord your God to the test, except God says, test me in this and see. And so what I want to challenge you to do, in fact, if you didn't get a card, you could put your hand up right now. Our ushers are here, and they'll pass out extra cards. Just pass them out. Go ahead. Pass them out if you would. Just put your hand up. These are in your programs. And all you have to do is Mm -hmm. fill in your name and email. You'll email them today, and you also have a gift to give them. What what are you going to pass along to people?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, what we've got is uh, I'll be responding to you um, tomorrow, and I've got this book called The Treasure Principle that uh, I'll be sending along to you. It's just a nice quick read on the beach. Um, it kind of covers God's principles for finances and be able to help you live a life of generosity.
0: Awesome. Um, I thank God for Dave. And before you go, we need to actually celebrate because our church just went through a successful financial audit this year. Uh, you, let's, yep. Yeah, give him a hand. This is pretty cool. Tell us a little bit about that and
1: what happened. That's correct. Really, the credit goes to our finance team of. Uh, Roseanne and Sonia and Robin, but it is true, we have, we have our financial record is audited each year by an independent professional um, accountant, they come in and they review our books and they gave us a, an unqualified opinion which we've had for the last few years which means that everything's good, right, we we passed and in addition to that uh, these firms normally issue what they call a management letter which is suggestions and this year there was nothing in those suggestions, no little small comments, no comments which is really a credit to our team it is, yeah, thank, hey, give you, a thank hand. you. That's it's, pretty incredible. Is, that is, is an awesome is terrific. thing.
0: For CPAs, they're geeking out. right Yeah, now. Right. that's <laughs> a big deal. I, <laughs> yeah, I understand.
1: Right. You know, but I, I just also want to say that, you know, we're committed to the highest level of integrity. You know, we have financial controls over cash receipts and cash disbursements. We have a conservative budget. We have an independent compensation committee, which takes Evaluations and comparisons with churches around the country, and they're the ones who set the salaries for our pastors as well as for our church. It's not done by anybody um, in here on staff. So, I, I think I can say you won't see Tim driving around in a Corvette.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, unless Janet picks me up. Uh, actually, and you're, I, if you've ever seen Dave drive around, what I appreciate about you, Dave and corporate, you would never know because he drives this beater Honda Civic, no offense. It's roll down the windows. That's Well, you know,
1: listen, 2000 was a very good year for <laughs> Civics. You know, it comes with those vintage options. You get to roll up your own windows. This yes, is vintage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but listen, you know, I want to say that um, we are 100% transparent. I have an open book policy. If you ever have any questions about finances or what's going on here at Liquid, just email me. If you want a copy of our um, audited financial statements, email me again. I'll, I'll send that out to you because I want you to know and have the answers to any questions you may have.
0: Awesome. Dave at Liquid Church, would you give him a hand? Thank you, Dave. Yeah, Grateful you for you, my man. Awesome. I, and I, if I could just call this out, I understand like this could be awkward, like, especially if it's your first time and you're like, I knew they were going to talk about money. They're after my money. Not at all. We actually don't talk about this a lot. The reason we talk about money is because God's after your heart. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. And that's why pretty much 25% of everything Jesus taught was on wealth, money, and possessions because he after people's hearts, and he's like, I want to talk to you about what you really trust. See, this is not about, like, getting rich. That's prosperity theology. You ever hear that? Like, plant a seed, and then God's going to rain down all his money. That's like treating God like a pinata up in the sky. <laughs> this is not like tithe, and then you bang on God, and all these blessings fall out, okay? That's give to get, and God's not like, feed your greed. The offering's not an ATM, all right? Jesus says you can't worship both God and money. And when you give to get, you're actually loving money more than God. Worse, you're using God to get more money. That's that's a warped heart. That's a wrong motive or intent. It is possible, listen to me, to give your money to the Lord and not give Him your heart. That's why God says, I want your first fruits. I don't want the leftovers. Look at Proverbs 3. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the what? The first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. God says, I want the first 10%, not the leftovers, not second best. And it's going to seem like a sacrifice at first. But understand, I am going to bless you for your obedience to this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. The first penny of every dime is mine, says God. And listen, whatever you do, take my advice, pay God first. (laughs) Before you pay for your groceries, before you pay for your gas, you pay for your car. Always pay your father. Pay your father's house before you pay for your own house. So some of you are like, "Is that wise financial counsel? Listen, Never pay the mortgage man before you pay your father. You know why? The mortgage man does not have the power to bless your finances, okay? Aunt Fanny and Uncle Freddie are broke if, if the last decade has taught us anything, okay? God says, your father has this power. He says, bring me your first fruits, that first 10%, and I can supernaturally empower the remaining 90. Your barns will overflow because 90% will go farther with my blessing than if you keep 100% yourself and do it in your own strength. Can I just ask you this? What if God's promise here in Malachi 3 were true for your family? Like like literally, what if you said, God, you said test me in this? I'm going to test you. This is the only place where God says, do it, test me. What would it be like for your family? To take God out his words for the next 90 days. Because Malachi gives us this choice. He says, will you close your fist and keep 100% for yourself and live with a curse? Or will you give 10% to me, the first, and test my blessing? That's literally the challenge Malachi presents. And listen, it's not about guilt. Don't don't be sitting here. If if you've been holding back your tithe, maybe you haven't tithed in weeks or months or years, and you'll be like, oh, no, that's why I'm cursed. God's not a legalistic God, okay? He's after your heart. So this is a chance to give your heart to Him. So if you've held back on your tithe, simply catch up. Write a check next week. If you haven't tithed on your bonus or your raise or or stock options, whatever that is. If you have a first job or let's say uh, you're newly married, okay? This is a chance to tithe and establish the foundation for your family. That's what our family's done. Both Colleen and I get paid bi-weekly on the 1st and the 15th of every month. And what we do is it's electronically deposited. You probably have that. And so what we do is at the beginning of the year, we take both our salaries together and say, what are we going to tithe gross? What's 10% of all of it before Uncle Sam gets it? Let's have that go right to the church. It goes straight there. Some of you are like, wait a minute, you pay God before you pay your taxes? Yeah. Who do you trust more, the government or God? (laughs) Even the government acknowledges. What's it say on here? In God we trust, okay? Do you trust him? You have a generous father. You have been made in His image. God is a giver. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him won't perish, but have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have already received the greatest blessing heaven could ever rain down. Amen? That's eternal life. And that's why God's like, why are you busy counting dollars when you should be counting stars? Look up. That's where the real blessings come from. And for the next 90 days, I believe there's more to come for our church family. Amen? Let's do this. I want to respond and give you time to pray. So would you bow your heads with me, all our campuses? Clear a moment just for prayer. Talk with God. And I want you to ask your father this question. Just just quiet for a moment. I want you in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud, in your heart, ask him, what are you saying to me in this message? Father, what do you want me to do? Just, Just take a moment and listen. God, what are you telling me to do? If you're not tithing or you struggle with this, please don't feel condemned. You shouldn't ever feel guilty or condemned when you come to church. But you can feel convicted. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been opening your mind to God's generosity and His desire to bless you. Don't feel condemned. Say, Father, what are you saying to me in this message? What do you want me to do? It's not about being rich. Let me tell you, it's possible to be rich and miserable. (laughs) It's about joy. It's about opening more of your life to God's love and a lifestyle of generosity. Father, I thank you right now that you're speaking to your children and I thank you for being a generous father. That you gave your very own son. He who was rich became poor so that we who are poor might become rich, sons and daughters of the Lord God Almighty. Would you help us now to honor you with the tithe? Father, I pray for those who are struggling right now. Would you give them the Holy Spirit? that they would have the faith and courage to take this important step of obedience. God, I believe there are legacies in families that are going to change in the next 90 days because of commitments made today. You're waiting to pour out blessings on the families in this church. Would you give us the faith right now to trust you with everything? We trust you. We return what's rightfully yours. Thank you for the moment to trust you with our finances. Would you now receive our tithes and offerings from our grateful heart to yours? In Jesus' name, everyone said together.